Hi guys, welcome back to A Different Life Story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today, I've got Tina again with me. Tina is a woman whose journey has highlighted the challenges that we sometimes face as parents with our children. So the intergenerational trauma, and we all like to live these beautiful lives and uh, well, on, on Facebook and, and other media, for sure, we look all very happy in the family pictures. The reality in most families is not like that. It's up and down and left and right. And sometimes things go completely pear-shaped. And what do you do in these circumstances? How do you live with that? Uh, let's explore that topic of intergenerational trauma and who better to speak to than Tina. So Tina, thank you very, very much for coming onto my show. I truly appreciate that. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you so very much for mm -hmm. today's opportunity to talk with you today. Mm. And it's very traumatic what we're talking about. Um, I had a very up and down relationship with my mother and to her death, uh, it was not, not a nice relationship. There were good times when I was younger, but there were certainly not so nice times because just as much as we all are often broken and mayhem and etc., the generation before us and that before us and that before us was the same. The problem with them was that there was no internet around. They didn't know. And so, it is what it is, but here we are. The, the, the message, or not the message, the, the problems keep reoccurring, and there's not one family not, not affected by that. So therefore, I guess it's nearly a bit of a taboo to, to actually talk about that, because we all want to portray ourselves as the perfect moms and dads, or the perfect children, reversively, and nah, it isn't. But that's not how you, how you all started out when you were a child. How was your childhood? How was your relationship with your parents? Well, with my parents, um, it was very good. Um, although my dad was in the military, so I'm a military brat. Uh, spent 10 years in Germany. Um, I stayed there after my time that we had uh, as a posting in Germany. Um, so I was very close to my parents. Um, but, you know, as we are younger, we don't realize, we don't see life the same way as when you reach your 40s and your 50s. And then you start thinking that maybe the way they act is because of the way they grew up. Mm. And the way they acted is the way they grew up. So they all have these hangups that bring into our generation. And then we realize it and we don't realize it until we're older. And then we can forgive and accept and hopefully change that avenue that that generation is going. And that's my ultimate goal is to break that chain of sequence of families not speaking or people not speaking to each other or, um, family members being isolated somehow. Mm -hmm. So that's that, my generation part. Mm. And it's so important. And, and this frustration is reflected for thousands of years because every generation thinks that the next generation is dumber, uh, doing stupid things, is dressing inappropriately, eating the wrong way. There's a beautiful quote, I think, from Plato. Uh, and it sounds like like a dad nowadays steaming off to his friend about his children. And in reality, it's, it's written 3,000 years ago. And it is, so it is a curse that keeps reoccurring. Because on the one hand, here we are, I guess, getting wiser a little bit. So there's a change in us. But also you've got our younglings who are trying to spread their wings, who are trying to find their own limits, their own things. And needless to say, for Christ's sake, the amount of potential for conflict is huge. 
huge. Show me one family where there has not been a child acting out. Um, and one wonders if it is sometimes the child acting out or the parents acting out uh, or a good combination of both. <laughs> so so here you were, you had it as a, as a child, initially a good time. And then when, when did you start having children? When, how did it all happen? When did you meet Mr. Wright? Well, I got married in, um, when I was 26. And then I had my first uh, daughter at 29. And then my next one four years later. So I have two girls. Um, I felt we had, I mean, we, our relationship had issues. Um, our communication had issues. But we're young and stupid. Are you talking about the relationship between your, your partner, your husband, and you? Yeah. Yes, the, the whole part. And so you do with what you have the best you can. And I, I have forgiven myself for maybe all of the things that maybe I didn't do correctly, but you, which you have to do, you have to forgive. Um, but don't forget so that you can take that lesson and move forward. Um, so after um, having a horrible, horrible car crash, a car accident, um, it, became, it became very clear to me what my purpose in life was. And it wasn't living um, on eggshells any longer. Um, my girls had been out of the house for about four years by this time, uh, a couple of years ago. And I realized that that's not the kind of marriage that I wanted, um, where there was limited support, limited communication, li limited of everything. And at that point in time, you, you have to make a few decisions for yourself. And that's when my daughters took offense to that change. And stopped talking to me. So um, not only are you going through the grief of a divorce, but now you're going through the grief of losing two people in one you felt that you were very close to. So all in all, I decided to be, I, yeah, I took time to recover. I took time to um, after the car accident, you have no choice. I mean, the universe came down and said, um, just like um, I always like to say in Mike Tyson's famous, famous quote, everyone has a plan until you get hit in the face. <laughs> That's a very damn good quote, isn't it? Oh, hell yes. Okay. Um, so you were a young girl, 26, and uh, Mr. Wright comes along, children come along. Were you working? What was, were you a working mum as well? Yes. What did you do? Yeah. Um, I did a lot of variety of things. I, I, I completed my Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer course. I worked in with computers. Um, I looked after homestay with Japanese and Chinese students looked after um, them coming in, working, uh, collaborating with the teachers on their program, as well as where they stayed in Canada. Um, also, um, I had that position. And then I went into the university and started teaching computer courses. Mm. To uh, I had a fun course for seniors. Um, Excellent. Work with the computers. Um, and so I had a variety of different jobs because I felt it was really important as a mom to be there either before the kids went to school or when they came home. I felt that was important. Dinner time's important. Homework time's important. Mm. And um, making sure that they have their activities is important. So I needed that flexibility and I, I ensured that would happen and not be that mom that was vacant and not there for them. And again, and that's beautiful that you were able to make that choice. Some women can't make that choice. Some women have to work one job, long hours, or even two jobs or three jobs. 
and I guess my my mum was not different there. I was a, I think you call it a key-latched child here in, in the English-speaking country. Schlüsselkind, so key child we call them because you had your key on a on on a chain around your your neck, the house key. Um, so that was certainly me um, for a long period of time. And so you did a lot to support your family, to be there for your family, to be there for your husband. Because no, no woman goes into a marriage and says, yeah, yeah, it's done now. Okay, you bugger off you. Uh, no, no, exactly. No, nice try. Um, no. But things sometimes change in a relationship. And Mr. Right is 10 years down the line, no longer so right and more Mr. Wrong. Um, and were there signs on the wall with hindsight that you two had started drifting apart? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Communication. Absolutely. Mm. Um, were, were either of you able to address it in the sense of counseling or, or able to communicate that, hey, look, we're in trouble here. Can we do something together to work with that? Um, I think you... As a woman, maybe a little different than a man, I'm not really sure, but um, you have to both want to have counseling and be open to it. Um, and we just, we weren't. We, you know, maybe you both put your backs up. I really don't know. Um, I think the situation probably could have gotten better if you maybe were actually taken out of that world you live in and taken away somewhere and said, here's two weeks to you guys, figure it out. You know, like your parents used to do in the back seat of a station wagon and say, do I have to come back there and tell you guys how to get along or are you guys gonna figure it out? <laughs> priceless, priceless. And of course, with everything, there has to be a willingness there to engage, to accept responsibility and to, to adapt to the new challenge of a not so ideal relationship. And many of us have never learned that. And nowadays we are in a throwaway culture. Our television doesn't work anymore. Fine. Off it goes. New television. Okay. Fridge doesn't work anymore. Off you go. Wife doesn't work anymore. Uh, well, so. only simple. <laughs> I know it is it's the same it is if there's so, such beautiful interviews of old couples who are married 65 years 70 years and say what's the secret you know how you know you're still together how does that work and the answer inevitably is well we come from a generation where you mend things where you sort things out where you don't just move on kind of a thing and I think there's a lot to be said about that but then again to sometimes sometimes you can sort things out and sometimes you come to a point where things are too late and then you have to make decisions that suit you and that is obviously what you have done but in order to get that eye opener you first had to go through more pain tell us a bit about that accident um, I was um, driving home from a softball game for my uh, second daughter, and I was following her, but as, which is very strange, because I think if, if a parent is usually the first one and the other car follows, for some weird reason, the universe wanted me to follow. And I really feel that that was a purpose that it was for me to get hit, not for my daughter to get hit for some strange reason. And so I did, um, I had a broken foot, uh, two torn knee meniscuses. Um, but that's awkward to say. Um, <laughs> I think it's menisci, but hey, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cracked, uh, cracked my rib, broke my finger from the hit and the impact. Um, he was driving 92 kilometers an hour mm. and hit me head on. Um, and I feel at the very first of the accident, 
I was just like, okay, uh, am I still in one piece? You know, am I, am I okay? Um, and I was, and I said, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for showing me that I can still be in one piece and I have some work to do on myself. Um, and so I did. I did a lot of work. I, I didn't realize that when I went back to work, I was working for a bank, um, that I couldn't cope. I, it was, I was moving with crutches. I had a cast on my foot and two bum knees and, you know, a, a rib cage that you couldn't even sit down on the toilet and put your, bring yourself back up because you don't realize how much strength you have when your legs don't work and your body doesn't work. But hey, um, it's recovery and that's part of it. And once, once that started getting better, I then realized that it's not the broken bones that need to get better now. It's your head. Mm. And it gave me that time to get better, to recover. Because if, if your head's not working right, you don't know how to fix it. You don't know that, you know, you can do exercises for your arm or your finger. You can do, you know, it's not bleeding anymore, but gosh darn, you know, sometimes you wonder how much bleeding is actually going on in your head because you, um, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, you don't know how to fix it. You don't know until you start feeling that it's overwhelming. You have, you know, depression, you have anxiety, you have you're, you know, I couldn't see any depth perception. So if I was walking, I would trip because you don't know if there's a sidewalk. I couldn't filter the distance when you sat down. Um, I couldn't, um, I still can't go downstairs um, any amount of stairs without holding on mm. to something because your head still feels um, a bit hawk-eyed, I guess, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So there's this development of recovery that you work on with both your specialists and your physiotherapists. Mm -hmm. And then of course, counseling. And once, once I started going to counselor, I realized that I, you know when it's over, you, you know when you've gotten as far as you can in a relationship. And as I explained to my ex, um, I feel that it was time to move on. And it doesn't mean you can't be friends. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just don't know people, you know, after 30 years, how can you not still be friends? How, how does that not work? But the hardest part of when you go through divorce or decide to separate is the decision to um, forgive the person, uh, forgive the past, and move on, but know that they made an impact in your life and that you aren't, um, there, there's such a bad feeling and nobody wants to talk about it after the fact of, of feeling that you weren't right or you were less of or that it, was, it wasn't a successful marriage of 65 years. You know, but I sometimes think that people grow apart. And if you don't stay consistent with your relationship, with your parents, with your house, with your partner, if you don't find to make that important, the relationship has to unfold. It has to. And I think a lot of us, want so much for our kids that we, you know, it was work and kids and work and kids, but it wasn't relationship work and kids. That's where the problem is from. It has to be focused. It has to be grounded by the relationship of the strength of the relationship before you can even concentrate on all of those other things and that you are worth it and that it's okay to make a choice and it's okay to change your things change and it's okay i'm very sorry to hear that um, but to a certain degree i'm actually not surprised to hear that i 
have seen it again and again as an anesthetist where people ended up in very clear physical trauma, but it rattled their cage and they change in their mind simply because they do no longer accept mediocrity or a life that does no longer suit them and serve them. So that in its own right can, of course, be very much a driving factor. I've seen people who had near-death experiences or trauma that where they thought they will never make it. And then thereafter, they came back without much physical damage. But one of the first things they said is, okay, I want a divorce. Boom. And I've a, a friend of mine, that happened to her, and she thought, what the hell? Now, in all fairness, um, my friend is, is uh, I would have probably not married her, let's put it like that. She's hard work. And, uh, but that is, it is what it is. They were obviously happy enough together, but then something really nasty happened to him. And two weeks later, boom, that's it. So people change. The other thing is, however, also the issue of a head injury, because you, for sure, the way you describe your um, the damage to your body, I could have already predicted that your brain was just as much whacked. And if we give a whack on our computer up there, the programs don't run the same way. And that's exactly what has occurred to you. The, the examples were the depth uh, of or the depth perception that was no longer working. Well, that's actually quite an integral part up there of a lot of uh, things working at the same time. And that was out. So you had other things. Now, all our emotions, whilst we say they are in the heart, well, no, guys, they're up there. They're in the brain, okay? So your happiness, your joy, your... your um, your tolerance, your anger, resentments, all that gets scrambled and it can become incredibly frustrating and hard. Anyone with a head injury will know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And those of you who haven't had an edge head injury and don't know anyone, it's, it's very hard to, to think, hmm, how could it possibly be? But can you imagine that you're absolutely the, the super whisket? You do Sudokus in record time. You recognize number patterns. And now, bang on the head. And from the Sudoku queen, you become, wait, one, wait, wait, one and one. I knew that. Um, one and one is, can you imagine how frustrating that would be? How mm -hmm. upsetting that would be? how angry you would be about yourself. And here we are often enough in situations where we never learned how to deal with negative emotions. And suddenly there you are and you can't do anything about it. And you don't know if that ability will ever come back. So not only are you angry about yourself, you're fearful, you're, you're maybe hopeless. And now, also, your other neurotransmitters up there get scrambled. So suddenly your dopamine takes a nosedive. And surprise, surprise, what is happening? Your depression, everything looks gloomy. And you are definitely not just broken here, but also broken up there. And broken in here, so your spirit, your, your everything that defines you is being put on hold. And that is such a huge challenge. We often forget that. We just see the broken toe or the broken finger or the, the x-rays. No, it is so much more there. You obviously can remember much about the accident. Uh, it didn't knock you out, so that's a good thing. At the same token, it's a bad thing. Did you relive the uh, accident? Did you, did you, do you still have dreams? I think more than dreams now, it's been two years. So I think now it's more, you know, in an intersection, you you start breathing differently and it's the constant um, trying to take a deep breath and just push through it. Um, I love it if there's a big truck beside me 
and you go through the intersection because all of them <laughs> Very good. Unless, of course, the, the load of the truck comes down. That's another story. <laughs> See, I'm a cheerful soul, aren't I? <laughs> My problem is as a doctor, I've seen it all. I've seen every version of every accident that could ever happen. I've more or less seen it. And it's just, oh, God. So I know too much. Definitely, definitely. And you keep my mouth shut. Uh, but I hear what you're saying. And I guess the reason I'm asking that is PTSD is such a common thing. After a major road traffic accident, the chance of you having PTSD is one in three, 30%, okay? And that is often not recognized. No. Did you get any help? Uh, yes, they've, I think they've gotten better at the mental health problems in the world right now because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. Um, the, the year prior, you know, um, little medical clinics would say, Tina, if you ever, feel like you're just not right just come in and see us we'll we'll be here for you oh so, nice so that felt really good that you have people around you that you can reach out to either by telephone or in person um and so so now it's primarily trying to remember words sometimes um but i have notes and it helps me it's like having a map, you know, it's like your GPS in your car, even though you know how to get there. And that was one of my issues is anything that you aren't very good at. It's like, I think it's sort of like dementia where anything you're not really strong at your weaknesses hmm. becomes even highlighted. Hmm. So it's the strangest thing. It's hmm. like really now i I have no sense of driving, of, of getting to point A to point B, because I was screwed before. I'm really screwed now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, so true. But then again, you could make a point that you're far more insightful in the negative sense. You're looking at everything, at every single minor, whatever happens, whatever thought is coming through, and you think, oh, ooh, hang on. Is that a sign of me getting better, getting worse? So you're so much more uh, examining everything, everything that maybe in the past you wouldn't have even thought about. So it it might just be this hypervigilance towards your own thought programming there that might now play up uh, and play the, the nasty, the nasty repeat that that none of us wants. Yeah. But here you are, a marriage that was more or less on the rocks, a road traffic accident that seriously changed your life. And as a result, rightly or wrongly so, you made a call of enough is enough. I need a fresh start. I need to think about myself. And then, suddenly your daughters obviously must have felt that there is a choice to be made. And that's interesting. Not all children will be like that. They, they are used to mom and dad rowing, but why did they think they have to make a choice? That's the big question especially at the age they are. Mm. But I don't know the answer to that. I might never know the answer to that. Mm. But I've come to some sort of realization that it is what it is. And maybe time will show them that, um, you know, because I, I remember, you know, 10 years and 20 years into the marriage thinking I can't leave because, and so many women do this, you can't leave because you have your kids. Mm. You, you wait and you wait and you wait because that's what's right to do. And then when you do choose it, they're off doing their own lives. You think, well, then it will all work out. And then it doesn't. <laughs> so true. And not every every relationship can succeed. That is just a fact. And 
it to a certain degree there is there is a blessing in I mean, for crying out loud, if you have got a bad tooth, sooner or later, you rip the tooth out, okay? Uh, yes, you can do one more filling. Yes, you can do one more thing. But sometimes there is no more filling that rescues that tooth. It needs to come out. So full stop. And then it will hurt. And But in your case, the grief was not just with regards to the relationship to your husband, but it was also now the grief to the, to the daughters who suddenly have changed their attitude towards you after when they were sort of coming up in their teenager years was there a lot of friction between your daughters and you no it, it, we did everything together because, mm, because often enough there's it always is sort of the daddy's girl kind of a thing so therefore there might be the explanation there that there was a strong link with the father um and now that you say no, Dad, enough is enough. Uh, I want to be alone. Did they take offense to that? I think there possibly could be because they were coached by their father. I was trying to lead to that. I was trying to lead to that, yeah. And they both had him as their coach and this, this particular person in their life that they probably had a very strong relationship with that we were the perfect picture on Instagram and Facebook. We we were the perfect vision of a mom and a dad and their two kids. And I just want people to realize that it's not always what you think it is. Oh, please. And we did the best we could. And hopefully, as time will tell, things will get better. Um, I... I I guess I went to a minister and he said to me um, a couple words and he said, love will take you anywhere. So that's been my, my stamp in my heart that I believe and trust and have faith that things will get better. But, of, but it is a beautiful thing that whilst you're waiting for that to happen, that you take steps to work on yourself to start off with. Because you cannot expect a relationship to magically change if you don't make change yourself. And by you actually trying to get the inside and trying to figure out what the hell is going on and doing something about it and doing something to help yourself on a spiritual on a emotional, on a physical level, only then will change occur in a relationship. And that's so important. And that's exactly the journey that you have been taking in the last two years. So there's a huge transformation occurring here from Tina Alexa to Tina again. And uh, it is, uh, it's high time that the new Tina raises her hand, or in your case, actually raises her book um, because you wrote about your transformation, didn't you? <laughs> yes, and it's called In the Blink of an Eye. Hmm. In the blink of an eye, your life can change. And that's so true. Hmm. That's literally, what is that, 200 milliseconds? And that's exactly what everyone tells me. That moment, often enough they know the moment, that they're on the ladder, stretching themselves just to do their last paint. And then the ladder goes, whoom, and they know that moment. 200 milliseconds or thereabouts, in the blink of an eye. I have not had the chance to read your book, but it is on my to-do list and I can't wait because I want to hear your story. I mean, I've, I've got a preview here. I've got a trailer literally happening as we speak. Um, but it is, there are so many lessons and so many insights. And guess what, guys, out there, if you're listening to that, tell me one family where there has not been that intergenerational conflict and trauma. Tell me one family. And I bet you it's not yours. <laughs> Okay, guys, it's not mine. That's for sure. <laughs> it's not Tina's. <laughs> so 
if you think that there's somewhere a perfect family, I call bullshit. Okay, mm-hmm. so therefore the lessons that we're talking about here and the insights that we're talking, hopefully have rung a bell. I mean, that's the reason that you're probably watching this. And therefore, uh, Tina's book is, is, is a way forward for you to see what happened to her and, and the lessons that she has learned. And that's why I've got Tina on, on the show here. It is it's one of these things, it's nearly a taboo that, that we are talking about because everyone wants to pretend that everything is perfect. And it's a new taboo in our social media society. And no, it is not. It is, let's open that up. Let's say it that we are, we are imperfect. And we are not perfectly imperfect. I like to pretend that I'm perfectly imperfect. But now the reality is I'm a mess. And the weird thing is I, I try to get one part of my life sorted. And I'm, I think, yay, I've done it. Hey, that's it. And then the gods up there are thinking, <laughs> look at it. Look at him. He thought he has got it sorted. <laughs> Let's throw him. What should we do? Let's throw him grief. Grief is good. Let's throw him grief. And that's right. And you think, what the heck? I've just sorted that out. Uh, things will change. Things will happen. And your cute six-year-old that gives you cuddles will turn into this moody bitch that you could strangle um, if there were no witnesses around. And... What do you do about that? What do you do about that? The only thing you can do is have the insight. Stop before you react. Learn to to take a breath. And learn how to listen. Two ears, one mouth should be used in that proportion. And that is so important and Tina, you have learned that. And I guess these are the messages that you that you want to to tell others. If you were, if one of your friends, God forbid, was now to have very much the same thing, and she's now being released from hospital, broken, shattered, what would you tell her? What message would you give her? I, I'm going to tell you what I didn't like people to say to me. Hmm. Everything will be all right. <laughs> you are strong, Tina. You are strong. No, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not. That's the first thing you think of when someone says you're strong. You don't know where you can find the strength hmm. to move ahead. Because that's your whole life was that. And now it's like somebody took a broom and swept it all away. Um, the realization that you're not a failure, you're 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 not, um, you know, that change is okay and change can be good and change can can do a lot of wonderful things to people, and that's okay. And it's just to get to that point where you're working on yourself. You know, I put my head to the groundstone and I said, I'm going to get better in both my head and my body. You know, I lost 50 pounds. I said, anytime I had any sad feelings, I was going to go for a run or a walk or whatever I had the capability of doing, I was going to do. And not very long after that did the universe came to me when I woke up one morning Um, because I created an app and it's funny how this all kind of ties in to my experiences of getting smacked in the face um, in the blink of an eye because sometimes it takes this smack for us to realize what are we doing what are we doing you know it could be a drug addiction or alcoholism or anything, I think it takes that smack in the face to make us realize that, hey, we're better than this. We can change that. Mm. This is how we do it. So I created an app for people to get better prepared. And it's kind of ironic how all of these kinds of little things hit me in my life as well. And I want to make sure, and I came became 
determined to help others with with what I've gone through. I am determined to help others. Um, I'm determined to help them because I, I guess when I created the app, I went back to my why. Why did I do this? And it was really because when I had a friend who had turned 60, she had lung cancer, stage four lung cancer. And I was going into the hospital every week with a cup of nice tea for her so that she didn't have to drink the dish soap water at the hospital. And I sat down with her and every time I was so scared, so scared to go up that elevator and have that door open to what I was going to experience that week, how she was going to look, how she was going to be. And it just became worse and worse. And in six weeks, she passed away. But she did teach me so many things in those six weeks because I remember sitting out on a little patio chair outside and she said, Tina, I just want to feel the breeze on my face. I just want to hear the birds. I want to see the blue sky and I want to feel the breeze. That's all I want. And that made such a huge impact on me because I thought people who are either in recovery or going through getting the strength or coming out of a coma or dying beside you. Your family, your person that you love needs to be there, needs to be present in the moment, needs to be there to support you. Mm. And how can you do that if you're worried about who's paying the bills, who's paying the mortgage, where's that coming from? How do you get into their house? How do you feed your cat? How do you do all of these things because you're now burdened by all of the crap that we live with on a day-to-day basis? So I woke up one morning and that's what I had created a few years ago. And the universe said to me, you are going to do a podcast and you're going to get your story out there to everyone that you are going to help people. You're laughing. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's so beautiful, and uh, to see that that journey, that to to go to see you turning from victim, go through this transformation to a stronger version of yourself is so beautiful. I mean, it gives me goosebumps to just to just see you changing, to hear to hear your voice changing when you were talking about the bad times to suddenly your voice getting a strength that has not been there a few moments ago so that is this conviction to now turn your suffering to give it some sense and help others and that is such a powerful and beautiful transformation it's lovely to see that that's why i'm laughing that's why i'm um, I've got a little bit of dust in my eyes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And guys out there, I mean, listen to Tina. Uh, she has gone for hell and back, and but she kept going. And she made changes that were not particularly popular in in her family, and she paid a price for it. Does that mean that she she made a mistake? No, she made a decision that was important for her and with with the consequences she needs now to live with that might very much change in a year's time or for all i know your children might listen to this podcast and think wow now we see we see mum in a different in a different light and to see you coming out of there and going out there that is a mum that they have never seen before that is an honesty that no one ever has seen because that is something that maybe even you didn't even know that it is in existence but it comes out in moments like that and someone asks you a maybe quite trivial question and suddenly you think huh what just came out of my mouth was actually the truth and i had not recognized it for that i have been there and I guess that's why I do this show, 
because with every guest, I reflect more, I learn more about myself, about the universe, about other people, and new, new thoughts, new patterns, new, new ideas, new habits are created consistently and on, in, on, on, constantly, uh, the more I speak to wonderful people like you. So I'm incredibly humbled to, uh, that you came onto my show because you show me that there is hope. You show me that that here is another person who didn't give up and who now turns her suffering into give it purpose and helps others. And God only knows that the world needs that and it needs shitloads of that. So I'm so pleased that you do what you do. And I, I can't wait to work more with you in the future and collaborate with you and with others because there are so many important voices that people need to hear and, and let's give them the hope that they deserve because there is hope out there. Tina, any more thoughts? What would you, as a, part, a parting thought, what would you give my audience and if you were able to go in a time machine and go back to your younger self, what would you tell your younger self? I think um, to start with the first question of um, your younger self, I think I had the strength in me when I was younger, but you get really busy in life and your marriage and your kids. And you forget who you are. And I just want everyone to realize that don't ever forget who you are in any relationship because you can't grow and you can't appreciate all of those things that you've learned throughout those years. And you can't appreciate where you're going you know, I never made time to exercise. I never made time. I was putting the food on the table, getting the kids' homework done, driving them to a ball game. Who has time for yourself? And I would look at other women who would be getting their hair done, going to the spa and going and exercising and doing the fitness thing. And I'd be like, what is wrong with my life? You know, um, because I didn't know what it was like to look after myself. And I guess that's why the universe told me, hey, you know, you, you need to look after me. And I didn't know what that was like. So I want everyone to realize that it's okay to put yourself first. It's okay to, um, you know, because when you go through these things in your life that, that change who you are, you could turn to alcohol very, very easily. You can turn to drugs very easily. And you could also think bad things about stopping your life. But it doesn't have to be one of those three things. You can go the other route and say, okay, I take full responsibility for where I am right now and the choices I've made. Now, how do you move forward? Show me. Tell me how to do that. And that's what I was lucky enough to, to do because I went into myself and found me, found that playful, fun person that was stuck in there, didn't know how to come back out. And um, I'm very thankful and grateful for that in my life, for all of, all of the things that have happened to me. I know there's a bigger and I think that's that's what you have to overcome is looking at the bad stuff at the time, but looking that if you could be an eagle soaring in the sky, looking over, that's where you want to put yourself. Looking down on everything, the bigger picture of what you can have possibilities. Beautiful. Beautiful, I couldn't have said it in any better words. Um, this is, uh, I don't think I wanna say any more because that is the most beautiful closing, closing words you could say. 
look after yourself, learn to love yourself and, and live this life to the fullest, live it with intention, live it now. And right now, this moment is yours. The past has happened, the future hasn't occurred yet. But right now, this is your possibility to look after yourself. And that's what I want you guys to do out there. I want you to truly, truly look after yourselves. Tina, Tina's story shows you that in the blink of an eye, things can turn and become irreversibly different. And you might as well make the utter most of every second because there are only so many of them that you have and you don't know if there's, if there's so many more left. So therefore, go out there, say to someone, sorry, give that someone a kiss and try to see that you can live a life that fulfills you, whatever decisions you have to make to actually get to that. Thank you. Hmm? Call that person. <laughs> that's true. And that's so important because luckily I'm talking in New Zealand where we are not in quarantine, uh, where we have no cases. Um, please, within all means, uh, someone out there, you might not be able to do that, but call that person. Zoom that person. It doesn't matter if this person is 96 years old and, you know, everyone can learn new tricks, Okay. And so, especially nowadays with nursing homes, et cetera. So they will make it happen. So that's, that's absolutely a given. Mm -hmm. And the younger the generation, the more it is not a technical obstacle. It is your emotional obstacle. And this person is probably waiting for that call. And however painful it will be, it might be so rewarding to make that call. And what could possibly go wrong? That's just the question. That's right. You guys out there, look after yourself. And Tina, thank you so much. Tina, again, uh, a wonderful woman uh, who is making a change, who is wanting to change the world. And this world definitely needs it. If you want to get to know more about Tina down there, check the, the description of the podcast, test, uh, check the description of the YouTube video, and you'll find her social media links in there and get in touch with her. She has got a beautiful message there. Cool. Look after yourself, guys. Tina, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. Bye.